last week I briefly mentioned in the message as we, uh, we read quickly over these verses uh, from Matthew 6, verses 9 through 15. Um, I said, well, well, possibly we'll come here next week and we'll talk about this. And um, it's, it's, the passage is known as, as the Lord's Prayer, or the Disciples' Prayer, or the, the Model Prayer. Um, lots of different titles for it, lots of different names. Um, probably many of us in this room, if not all of us, could quote it. Um, or would, if we started quoting it, you could, you could chime in uh, and you would have a lot of it memorized. And, and as, you are, as you're thinking about that, you, you can see some challenges as you go to study, to prepare, to, to preach a message like this where everyone has their, their ideas on this passage. They have their, their beliefs of, of what the different parts mean and what they represent. And such a familiar passage just, just carries with it some challenges. And then as you dive in and as you, you study, you're wondering how in the world am I supposed to, supposed to fully expose the truths packed in this this simple verse and the more I studied I was like I'm going to be here for two months talking about just the, these few verses here and we see this example given by by Jesus and uh, I'm not going to be able to even begin to scratch the surface of this so if you're sitting there thinking oh he forgot to say this and he forgot to say that I probably did forget but besides that there is not time to cover the the depths of these few verses uh, in the next 30 minutes or however long uh, that we study this for. Um, and I just want you to, to think of the context of, of where this is at, the passage of Scripture uh, that we find this in last week. Remember, Jesus was teaching. Jesus was teaching here, teaching, teaching people thoughts that would change their minds, would challenge their worldview. We've been there for a few weeks talking about this. Uh, last week we looked at how we challenged them for their motives. Remember we looked at we looked at prayer, we looked at giving, we looked at, at fasting and saw the different motives that were behind that. Jesus is challenging them, hey, if you're doing this to be seen of men, well, you're going to have your reward, but it's not from God. If you're doing these, these good deeds, these religious works to be seen of men, your reward isn't going to be from God. And he challenged their motives. And uh, as we just quickly read over these verses last week, um, but they are packed in the, the context of of this, this study that we've been doing, of this message that Jesus is teaching. And um, as, as we look today, um, I would just like to, to challenge you, to challenge your thinking, um, to just focus, if you will, for the next few minutes. Because yes, it's a familiar passage. Yes, yes we probably have it memorized. Uh, but it seems like as, as we're saved, the longer we're saved, um, we can start to kind of go through the motions of different things. Maybe I'm the only one like that. But uh, we can kind of forget why it is, what, why we do what we do. And we can just start to methodically go through stuff. And I just want to say this, this passage is, is very important to me or, or special to me. Uh, with a, a lot of you remember my dad and the battle that he had with cancer and, and what, he, what he went through with that, and we'll talk about that um, in a little bit as we go through this. But uh, my dad challenged us with, with these verses um, you know, in his, as he was battling cancer. So if I get choked up or you know, if I start to struggle, um, it could be me just struggling 
um, but also it could be the, the emotional side of it that we're going to be looking at. So just throwing that out there, um, and we'll see, we'll see what happens. But let's pray, and then we'll, we'll get into our text. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that we can come to you. I thank you that, that you desire to hear from us. I thank you that you do hear from us. I thank you for your goodness and your greatness. I pray that you will help us now as, as we study your word, as we look at this passage. Please give us understanding. Please give us clarity, Lord. Please, please help us um, to see what you have for us. I pray that we will honestly consider the verses before us, that we'll consider the thoughts and the truth before us, and that this just won't be another time where we, where we come to church and, and put in our time, but that we will actually take the time to listen to you and to your word. Thank you for all that you are. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As we, as we study this, I would like for you to remember who it is that is, that is teaching this who it is that is, is giving these truths, who is giving this, this prayer here. It is God in the flesh. He is teaching people how to pray. He, he's teaching them multiple truths here. Uh, but it's God in the flesh teaching, praying, teaching people how to pray. And as we consider who it is that is teaching this, um, we can see the importance of paying attention and of focusing because we have words from God that we can learn from. No matter how familiar they are, they, we should pay attention, no doubt. And um, in thinking of this idea of prayer, you know, I, I hear people say sometimes, I just don't know how to pray. I don't know what to say. You know, I, I know I'm supposed to close my eyes or something, but, but after that, I'm just not sure. Well, here we have an example from Jesus Christ. This is more than a prayer to just be quoted. This is more than something to just memorize and, and know these few verses and say them before you go to bed every night. It's more than that. Um, there's nothing wrong with, with quoting this prayer and saying this prayer. But what I would like for us to be careful of is to remember verse number 7 that we looked at last week. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions. Um... And that's just talking about empty or meaningless. And we can use vain repetitions with our, with our normal prayers where we're just going through the motions. And, you know, I, I pray with my kids every night before we go to bed. And if I'm not careful, I can just get into a rut of I'm going to pray with my kids because that's what they do before they go to bed. And I can, you know, say the same words every, every night and forget about I am talking, I am addressing God. And... We, got, we have to remember that when we go to the Lord in prayer. So think of that as, as we study this. Um, it's pretty incredible, I kind of alluded to this, how Jesus says so much, yet He uses so many words here. I mean, you'll see as we get going where we could talk for days. But let's, let's just go ahead and, and jump into our text now and see what we can learn or see what we can be reminded of. Um, have you ever re recited this without even thinking about it? Being honest there, but possibly. Look at verse number 9. After this manner, therefore pray ye. 
After this manner, what's, what's Jesus talking about? In this way, uh, he's not necessarily requiring verbatim here, but he's giving us an example to follow. We already looked at verse 7 of watching out for vain repetition, of just saying empty words, just going through the motions. We've looked at that warning already. But Jesus had been teaching them many things. And here he is teaching them how to pray. He's giving an example. Remember, he just taught them how not to pray. Don't use much words. You know, don't, don't try to be all, all fancy and, and say these big words. You don't even know what they mean to sound good in front of other people. Don't just, you know, get this prayer figured out and pray it every day and, and go through the motions. Jesus taught how not to pray. Now he's teaching how to pray. Um, look at look at the and I know you have it memorized or you're at least familiar with it think about the big categories that Jesus covers think about the huge topics that Jesus covers in just this brief prayer Uh, one commentator said it's so simple a young child can understand but even the most mature believer cannot fully comprehend all that's contained in this. Uh, my kids can say this prayer. My kids can have a, a, at least a simple understanding of it. But it's, it's so deep that we can study for, for years and still be learning stuff. Uh, he goes on to say, Our Father. How comforting to be able to start a prayer that way. Remember who we're addressing when we pray. We're addressing God. And we get to start out our Father, possessive God, is our Father. And it's not like we're, we're going to pray hoping that way, but we can confidently go to God as our Father. For those who have accepted Jesus, we have been adopted into God's family. God is our Father, and we can confidently call Him Father. We could stop there and just spend the next 30 minutes praising God that we can look to Him as our Father. Galatians 3.26 For ye are all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. That's an important thing is the faith in Jesus Christ to become a child of God. John 1.12 But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. When we come to God through Jesus Christ, we are adopted into His family. We are received as sons, as daughters of Christ. God is our Father. Pause and think about that the next time you pray. Even if it's before you have your sandwich at lunchtime. Because there's one where we can be monotonous, right? I've got to pray for my food. That's what mom and dad did. That's what I've always done. And we can have this prayer and not even consider that we are addressing God and we are thanking God for the food that He provided for us. Think about that next time you pray. You get to address God as as your Father. He says, Our Father who art in heaven. Think about that. We have the privilege of speaking to God in heaven. The Almighty, the All-Powerful, the self-existent, eternal God of heaven. We have the privilege of communicating with Him. I mean, that shouldn't get old, right? Like, we, we've heard this stuff for years. Imagine if this is the first time that you ever heard this. 
I get to pray and the one I get to talk to is my Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. The Almighty God, I get to speak with Him. He wants to hear from me. Why would anybody want to hear from me? But the God of the universe desires to hear from us. How can that thought ever become old news? God, as our Father in Heaven, has an eagerness to listen to our prayers. He knows them before we speak them, but He still desires to hear them. Can, I mean, that can almost give you a headache trying to reason that out. God knows everything, but He still desires for me to speak to Him and for me to communicate my thoughts with Him. What an amazing God that I cannot understand. But I'm so thankful I can't understand Him because I'm not that smart. Verse 9. Uh, as we continue, Hallowed be Thy name. To hallow God's name is to acknowledge a reality that is. It's, it's recognizing or attributing to God the holiness that already is, has been, and always will be uniquely His. It's just us recognizing a fact that is. Whether we believe it or not, God is holy. And Jesus is here is, is pointing their minds to, first of all, recognize who you're speaking to. And then He's, he's acknowledging the holiness that is to be ascribed to God. To hallow God's name is to revere, honor, and glorify Him. That word hallowed means to make holy. And we talked about He already is holy, whether we make, it, make Him holy or not. He's holy all the time. But it's us realizing that, that reality. To consider this helps put the awesome privilege that prayer is into perspective. I mean, it should. We get to speak to a holy God that is our Father in heaven. There should be a high level of honor and praise recognizing who it is that we are speaking to. And this should be every single time that we go to the Lord in prayer. It's not like a one and done thing. It's every time we get to speak to God. What a privilege that is. We need to recognize that. We have to be careful to not fall in this rut of just going through the motion of just, you know, daily speaking prayers to God. Which, you know, we'd give someone a hard time if, if we heard them using these vain repetitions. We'd probably call them out on it if they're always praying the same thing. Don't you think of anything new? But how often do we go to God empty and just going through these motions. Just something to think about. Psalm 34.3 Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. That's something that we get to do every time we go to the Lord in prayer. Something that we should be doing every time we go to the Lord in prayer. Have you noticed so far in this prayer how the emphasis has been on God? Have you caught that? The emphasis of this prayer is on God. 
and we think that's great, that's wonderful. But I just want to free thought here. Are our prayers that way? Is the emphasis on God and praising Him? How often do we miss that important part and jump right into our wish list? You know, oh God, please do this and this and this for me. Amen. I'm just, I'm just trying, to be, trying to be real and honest and, and transparent here. And I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers because I know I struggle with the same, the same thing. Prayer is an awesome privilege. It's an awesome opportunity where we get to address the Most High God. And there should be a focus on Him and His, His greatness in our prayers. Yes, He wants to hear our request. Yes, yes, that's, a, that's understood that we should be communicating our wants and desires to God. But do we forget His greatness when we go to Him? Verse 9, After this manner therefore pray ye our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Verse 10, thy kingdom come. And here is where we could spend a whole, whole lot of time. But what I want us to see real quick is that the focus is on God here. Thy kingdom come. Jesus gives the example of praying for God's kingdom to come. God's kingdom to come. We might not say it this way, but are we praying for my kingdom to come or thy kingdom to come? I mean, just... Just, I just want us to think. I want us to be honest here. Jesus gives the example of praying for God's kingdom to come. The focus is on, on God and what He has. His will. His way. Are, are we guilty of in our prayers, God, give me my kingdom. I know what's best. We wouldn't say it that way. But I just want us to, to consider. The kingdom of God is coming one day. Sin will be removed. He will reign supreme. We can be praying for this kingdom now. We can pray that people will come to Christ and will be added um, to those who will be in His kingdom. Praying for people to be saved. To be a part of this kingdom. The emphasis is that we are praying for God's kingdom. It says, Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Remember Jesus' prayer uh, before He was going to be crucified? Remember how He stated in there, not my will, but Thine be done? We saw Jesus going to the cross to be crucified, to die, to, to bear our sins on Himself. And He was still concerned with God's will. He came to do His Father's will, and that's what He was going to do, even though it meant a brutal, painful death. He was still concerned with God's will being done. With this thought of, not my will, but thine be done, or thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, there is a complete confidence in God and His will. We can see Jesus' confidence in God. When we're praying for God's will to be done, 
we are trusting in God completely. It's interesting that we are given the example to pray for God's will to be done. Um, Philippians 4.6 tells us to let our request be made known unto God. We talked about that. We're supposed to, supposed to pray. But within that whole realm, it's all according to God's will. Our will, our plan, what we think, what we might think is best is not necessarily God's will or plan. Um, we can come up with some pretty bad plans. Right? I know I got some doozies on my record. Aren't you, aren't you glad how we can trust in God's will and His plan and follow that confidently, knowing that He is, he is all-knowing? Our limited minds think we are so smart. Maybe that's just me. And then we, we try to have these elaborate plans and God says, you don't want to do that. Just trust, trust my, my will. Trust my way. And I, if, you're, if you're trying to think, what are you talking about? Think about Jonah. Remember him? God had a plan for him. God told him to go somewhere. What did Jonah? No, I'm going to go the other way. And we, we know how that worked out for him, right? Ended up in the belly of a great fish. I don't even want to think about that. But we can see how Jonah did his own plan when, excuse me, when he should have just followed God's will. He ended up going to do what God wanted him to anyways. He just had a crummy attitude about it. And he was pouting. And God did an incredible work. When we are willing to pray for God's will to be done, we can confidently trust and rest in Him and His will. Look at verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. So we've, we've been focusing on, on God. And here we get to the point where it's, there's a, a personal request. But that personal request is still relying on who? On God. Give us this day our daily bread. Provide for us. Meet our needs. Take care of us. Um, specifically, give us, give us food. And, and you could think of the nation of Israel with their history, how they were waiting on this manna to come. I mean, you can see there, give us this day our daily bread, where they were trusting in God in the middle of the desert to provide for their food. You could see how this would work in their minds where, yeah, we, we do need God to provide for us every day. It, it seems simple. Uh, most of us do not have a shortage of food. Most of us could you know, go to the fridge and get whatever we want or to the cupboard and get whatever we want. So it seems interesting for Jesus here to mention something as simple as give us this day our daily bread. But when food becomes something that is something that is hard to get 
uh, you become to appreciate it a whole lot more. When you, when you can't eat, when, when you're starving, I would imagine this verse, give us this day our daily bread, would mean a whole lot to you. And we see the example of, of praying for, for things that we need, of, of making our requests be made known to God. And this part of the prayer, just because we're able to eat and we're able to have food like we do in this, in this country for the most part, it should not get, get old where we are still asking God to provide for us and to meet our needs. Because when we're not asking Him, we're depending on ourselves. And this is, this is the part that I was telling you about that might be a little tricky for me, talking about my dad, and I'll just give you his example. Or, as you know, he had the esophageal cancer, and there was a, a tumor at the base of his esophagus and his stomach. And that tumor got so big that he could not eat. He could not swallow food. And every, every bite that he was able to swallow was an answered prayer. Whether it was juice, whether it was anything that would make it into his stomach was an answered prayer. And my dad would, would I'm not trying to puff up my dad. That's not what I'm about here. I just want to paint this picture where this stuff should be important. This, our prayers to God should be real. They should not be going through the motions because when you're put in that place where you can't even eat a bite of food and you are really thankful for every bite that you're able to swallow, your prayers start to have meaning because you need God to help you get that food down or provide for that. But the point I'm trying to make is shouldn't that be our attitude every time that we go to God in prayer where it's sincere and it's meaningful? Sorry. Um, we, can, we can pray and we can ask God to meet our needs. And it, it should have meaning. We should be relying on God no matter where we're at or what we're going through. But we also see in this verse, give us this day our daily bread. It's more than just for you. We have the chance to pray for others. And we can pray for, for others in need. Uh, but that should have meaning, just like it was us, just like we were the ones that had the need. Give us this day our daily bread. Now look at verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Jesus had no need to be given for any debt or sin. Jesus here is reminding them of their need and the importance of them asking for forgiveness. Of them recognizing, I have a, a problem, and debt here is um, speaking of, of sin. And he's, it's the idea of recognizing, I have a problem, I need forgiveness. Um, and it says, interesting part of the prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have debts 
or who have sinned against us. That kind of puts it in perspective where how we should be forgiving others. Would you want God forgiving you the way that you forgive others? Doesn't that kind of... Because I'm not, I'm not forcing that into this verse at all. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Aren't you thankful God doesn't forgive you that way? But look at verse 14 and 15. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's interesting, isn't it? As those who have been forgiven by Jesus Christ, there is a responsibility for us to forgive others. And our willingness to forgive is a, a, a testament of the fact that we have been forgiven. Jesus has forgiven us. We should forgive. Verse 13 and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Um, a lot going on in that verse too. But I want you to, I want you to think about some other passages of Scripture. James chapter one, verses thirteen through fifteen. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Um, 1 Corinthians 10.13 There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Uh, what I want us to see is that temptations come. With that temptation, God gives a way out. Look at verse 13, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us, from evil. Looking to God for deliverance, He promises that way out in 1 Corinthians 10.13. But also, and I'm trying to say a whole lot with just a few words here, but trials come. And you can see that word for temptation used for temptation or for trials. Trials come. James 1, verses 2-4, through 4, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So you see this, this process of these trials, of these temptations come, working to help us mature and to grow. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. 
so we see these trials, we see these temptations that come our way. We see them, we see them being used to develop us and to mature us. Um, and we also see that, that we are not tempted with evil by God. But when that temptation comes, we see that He does provide a way out of that situation. We can confidently pray, verse 13, to our Father that is in heaven. And lead us not into, into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The second part of verse 13. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We see a kind of a, we see starting out with God, with the focus on God. We see we can get our needs in there. And then it, it ends up again with that praise and that adoration towards God, recognizing who God is and giving Him praise for who He is. And I just, I just want to ask you, do your prayers resemble this at all? This, this model that Jesus gave, this example that Jesus gave. And I understand there, there's different occasions, there's different, different times but I'm, I'm wondering, your, your prayer time when you are speaking with God, does it resemble this at all? Is, is the focus on God and recognizing it's Him? Or is the focus sometimes on, God, I want this and this. Please get it done for me. I just wonder. Or is a prayer time even existent in your life? Not looking for you to raise your hand or anything like that. But we talked at the beginning the privilege that prayer is, the opportunity that prayer is. Is it existent in your life? Consider the opportunity that we have with prayer. Is the focus on God? Let's pray together.